and welcome to the Marvin's World podcast, a podcast where we explore diverse religions, beliefs and hobbies and chat with fascinating people. In this particular podcast, we have two jousters who found love through the art of medieval warfare. It shows that effectively jousting is more than just medieval conundrums. It, it, it's, to describe jousting, it, was, it can be said as UFC combined with bare knuckle boxing on horseback. There's a lot to it. It's a very fascinating sport and it ain't for the faint hearted. Without further ado, let's have a look and find out. I'm growing my beard out. So I was like, well, fine. I don't want to cut my hair. I want to cut my beard. So I went medieval times. Got a job working there. I uh, sort of started as a squire, learned how to take care of the horses and everything. Then you move up to learning all the theatrical stuff. You know, the, the falls are all. Um, stunts so you do a joust you have a shield and a lance the lance is pre-cut so it's a breakaway lance and then you have to throw all of your equipment and jump off the horse so i did that for several years as well as like sword fighting and games and stuff like that and i did that for about eight years and uh, i heard about a tv show on uh, history channel history channel I can hear me feeding back for some reason. Oh, there it goes. Um, so it was, uh, so they were doing this show for the History Channel, and it was basically an open casting call. They're like, if you're a crazy person, kind of like Jacqueline said, if you think you're tough and you think you're crazy enough, come and actually knock people off horse. And I was like, well, I've been pretending to do it for years. I want to see if I can actually do it. And um, so I, you know, I wrote them, you know, whatever, you fill out your little, uh, entry thing and sent him a video so i i <laughs> sent him some crazy video of me like being like i'm the baddest dude to ever do this you know i'm the baddest man that ever worked in medieval times you're gonna have to have me on there if you want to have the best guy or whatever just a lot of bravado and machismo so that's what they look for or whatever so um i got a call back got on the show and uh ended up winning that was like a 16-man single elimination tournament style on a TV show. So I did that and then I didn't do it again for like six years. Um, and I started doing it again a year or two ago. That's how I met her was I started doing it again for the same group that um, she was doing it for, who, who was owned by the, the guy who hosted the television show. And did you guys ever, you, you guys jousted, haven't you, against each other at some point? To be honest, only a couple times, um, and it's never been the ideal scenario. We've done it where his horse was completely acting up because we had to fix him from, a, from an experience that wasn't working. We've done it where I was on a horse that was acting up and not getting along. We, uh, we I think, maybe jousted a handful of times. I think we jousted for a school show which doesn't count. Like you're just supposed to try to ship, put, a, put on a show for the school kids and my horse is being all crazy. So I broke a lance on her face. So I hit her in the face and broke a lance. And my hand. And then, uh, cause I couldn't really see, like the horse was taking off, the helmet was broken. So 
I could be you know, like your ocularian, which means your little eye slits are literally only, you know, a quarter inch wide. So they're riding up on my head. So I can see out the top of my helmet. I have to look like this, which you don't want to do. You're going to get knocked off. So I couldn't really see where I was aiming. So I hit her in the face. <laughs> and then they told me that I hit her in the head. So I was blind again. And I made an adjustment to where I thought her her uh, shield should be. And then I unfortunately unhorsed her in the school show on accident. <laughs> and then... Uh, so that doesn't really count either, but the crowd, of course, loved it. And I'm like, oh, my God, I just I just knocked her off for no reason because school show, we're not like, you know, we're not, it's not a real competition. So you're, you're just trying to demonstrate. You're not trying to actually win a competition. So it was like a waste. And I was like, well, that wasn't cool. And then our uh, one of our mutual friends, uh, Josh Avery, was there. And he's like, you guys have the weirdest relationship dynamic. You, like, unhorse each other and he's like how does that work if you beat your girlfriend and then is she mad later and I'm like because he jousts too and I'm like no and he's like this is the only sport where you like try to beat up your your, your significant other well, in a suit you. of armor like so yeah it's a it's a strange dynamic but we have a lot of fun like basically it's like whatever happens at work stays at work <laughs> that's good that's good it's <laughs> this goes here that goes there uh, what what um <laughs> I, i've seen the film role models where they do all this sort of king arthurian sort of fighting with sticks and all that you don't do any sort of medieval preamble or anything or like oh 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 or... um well the uh some of the shows that we uh do like whenever we work for um the company that we work with some of the time um Knights of Valor. Sometimes, like I've done some stuff like that. We did uh, an event for like Budweiser or Bud Light when they were doing their yeah. Dilly Dilly campaign. We did some sword fights for them at their headquarters and at a special event that they held in New York on some island with a, at a castle. So we basically do whatever they pay us for. And the people that have come from the Medieval Times background, like the owner uh, came from Medieval Times as well. Um, we do do some of the theatrical sword fighting stuff too, but it just kind of depends on the event that we're in. Um, I'm actually in the middle of trying to uh, train Dane Jacqueline how to sword fight as well. So I generally you know, prefer to just get on a horse and hit boys with sticks. So <laughs> when she's not doing that, uh, she can learn how to hit them with swords though. So. <laughs> <laughs> What, how how does the what's I've seen a lot of these films and like you see all these sort of horror stories happen. Have any sort of horror stories happened during your time during jousting? It it's bound to happen. It's you know they they like to say about riding horses in general. It's not about if you fall. It's about when you fall. And with jousting, it's about when you're gonna get hurt. Um, particularly, I'm getting there. <laughs> Um, particularly in the full contact, right? I mean, even in theatricals, people miss and things break and, and things happen like that. Um, but in the full contact where it is extreme as a sport and it's violent, lots happen. Um, when I was first training and before my own suit of armor was ready, I was using whatever suit they had that could fit me, which was not a great one. 
Um, but I didn't know any better. I was trusting my teammates to help me out. Well, the, it was very- The moral of the story is never trust jousters. Yeah. It was very poorly taken care of and the leather straps holding it all together was were all uh, dry and cracked. And on one big hit, my first actual joust, the leather straps all blew apart. And it was essentially raining pieces of armor as I was coming off. It was the first time I was unhorsed too. And I landed on top of the armor. And I don't know how well you can see, but it sliced my arm right open. Um, right big scar there. Yeah. And uh, so I wrapped it up with vet wrap and, and kept going. Um, I, and I'm like, they didn't take you to the hospital. They're like, oh no, they just laughed and took a picture of me. Yeah. These people are not. They're not the jousters are not the most sensible or like sympathetic, uh, sympathetic or uh, medically trained professionals that you would think you might want to have around. Yeah, they're just like, yeah, just put some super glue on it. And uh, so she has this big scar on her arm. You can't really tell, but it's pretty gruesome. I'm like, they didn't take you to the hospital. Because you know she basically got a hole in her arm, and I've been. Well, that I, was just the first the first time yeah, I've had ahead. multiple concussions. Um, again, not knowing what type of footing is best for full contact. Uh, my first tournament was on a football field. Don't joust on football field. No. Um, my first or first tournament in front of people. Uh, second pass, I had a double unhorsing. So both me and my opponent knocked each other off our horses at the same time. It's one of the most exciting things that can happen in a match because everybody gets knocked off. The crowd cheers. Fantastic. Everyone falls to the ground. Everyone loves it. I landed on my head. The next thing I remember, I'm back at encampment talking to the paramedics. And, you know, everything sort of starts to become clear again. And, and I remember saying, wait a minute. I knocked him off too? That's fantastic. Completely ignoring the fact that I had my first major concussion. Uh, then most recently, with my own suit, it's, it's been good for a few years, but it, you know, the impact that we take and you constantly hit yourself with it, you fall off on it, it bends, it breaks. We fix it by hammering it against things. She, she has like the worst luck out of everyone that I know in this sport as far as her armor blowing up stabbing her uh with your helmet her helmet so the broke most, the most recent I <laughs> two years ago my helmet um started malfunctioning for the whole season um it it's it seems to slide past my chin so the piece that was supposed to sit into the back of my chin or back of my neck would slam forward and then down on my face and so the first time it happened it actually pushed my mouth guard through my lower lip. So I have a nice little happy face scar under my lip from where that happened. Uh, that was in the beginning of June. So I took about a month off. I came back. It seemed to work. It was fine. Then uh, I met him. We were at a tournament together in uh, Iowa in July, end of July. And I had a different type of mouth guard. I now use the kind that has the lip protector so that it can't slammed down on my face. Well, my helmet malfunctioned again, and this time the impact, because I had changed it, didn't slam down on my face, it cracked my chin. And so it didn't break in the traditional sense of something breaking. The layers of bone split 
formed a hematoma, and then apparently I grew new bone. I have really interesting uh, x-rays from my dentist, uh, and it dislocated my jaw. Then I thought I got it fixed, took another month off, and in September, it happened again, but not nearly as bad. Nothing was broken, nothing was punctured. It was just, you know, a lot of impact on my chin, so I said good enough. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's not supposed to happen. When you put your helmet on, it's supposed to stay on your head because if it doesn't stay on your head, it breaks your head like it did to this lady. And then she keeps being like, oh, I think it's fine. And meanwhile, she weighed, okay, so I weigh about 300 pounds. You weigh what? 140. 140. So already the math isn't checking out um, because this is very much, these are all math equations. Um uh, what is it? Mass times acceleration equals force. So she's already starting less with the mass part. So, you know, generally speaking, she's going to be on horse more often. Uh, a lot. She's, she's really good. So she takes guys off with her too, but she ends up getting knocked off more often because she weighs half as much as people she's jousting. And then her helmet keeps breaking. So her family is very much terrified. I'm like, you're not going to tell her anything. I don't, I can't tell her what to do. So good luck. So everyone's <laughs> like, please stop doing this. You're going to die. But, he keeps talking about me, but he's had some horror stories himself in, you know, some stitches in some very sensitive places. Yeah. Okay. I'll tell you this. Okay. So yeah, the worst story that I know of personally, somebody, another friend of mine, one of my coaches actually almost had his nether regions like, ripped off by Lance glancing off his armor and he got like 100 stitches in his uh, junk area. I was lucky I only got two stitches, which is lucky I suppose. Um, uh, basically I was doing joust practice. Uh, we were on the show and um, the guy who was, we would do full armored practice. So the lances were supposed to have holes drilled in them so they're supposed to break easier which was not always the case because it's an 11 foot piece of Douglas fur. It doesn't always break whenever you tell it to, even if you put holes in it. So anyway, the guy, he hits the armor and it glances off and hits my friend in the thigh, which ruptures his thigh because it's sort of, it's a stick with a brass cap on it. So when it hit his leg, it sort of compressed and went along his leg and sort of split it open. So you can literally see all the fat tissue hanging out of his leg. So he goes to the hospital, and uh, as soon as the ambulance comes back, we start practicing again. I'm practicing the same guy, um, Tom Conant, who was supposed to joust the next day. He, the, I think it was the second pass back, because I went one direction, I came back the other way. He did, he was, it was all in his head that he had just hurt this other guy, I guess. So he just, the first time was a fluke. He just bounced off the armor off. The second time, he just hit me directly in the, in the nuts. So <laughs> I got hit in the right testicle with a lance, direct shot. And then I was super lucky because there's actually a video somewhere on the internet. I don't know. It was on the show. So it break, the lance breaks off on my testicle. It just snaps off. If it hadn't broke, I probably would be sitting here talking to you about how I lost the money. So, of course, this is an excruciating pain. And I start screaming, he hit me in effing balls. And the, the coach is like, what's happened? I'm like, he hit me in the nuts. So they pull me off the, the horse, and the uh, the doctor comes over to look at it. There's a giant hole in my right reaches from where the lance went in. 
And I'm like, is it okay? And he's like, it's not good. <laughs> I'm like, what? Thanks, Doc. Like, you're the worst bedside manner ever. So they put me in, a, in an ambulance, and I'm going to the hospital. Meanwhile, this is on October 31st is the day they filmed it. So it's Halloween. Don't ever doubt some Halloween. It's bad luck. So, so I'm going to the hospital, and the lady says, uh, you know, what's your pain on a level, a scale of 1 to 10? I'm like, it's a solid 9 right now, lady. Like, whatever. So they give you morphine or something. So I was feeling a little better. And um, they call in to the hospital, and they say, we have a man in route with a laceration to his testicles from a lance. <laughs> I was like, well, you're never going to say that I'm on the radio ever again. So I go to the hospital, and uh, they're asking me all the questions. They're like, oh, sir, sir, how are you allergic to anything? And I'm like, penicillin and lances, because now I think I'm hilarious. you know. So, And the people are laughing. The camera guy's trying not to laugh. They're like, how tall are you? I'm like, 6'4", six, 6'8", six, on the weekend when I wear high heels. <laughs> and uh, so they're like, oh, you think you're pretty funny, huh? You think you're funny today. That must be working. I'm like, I'm funny every day. So they sent me in the back. And a guy comes in and says, we can't you do any anesthesia because of where it is. So then he just, you know, used a little fish hook and stitches them back together. So that was that was a good time. And, um, yeah, so I basically just went back and started writing again then like a day later or something just because that's what we had to do we were on a show so yeah that was my uh that was my close call the first time i ever unhorsed somebody was one of my coaches and i actually broke my hand i didn't um uh, i didn't go to the doctor at the time because i didn't want them to tell me i couldn't do the show so i when i went back later they x-rayed my hand and I actually same thing like what happened with her it's just you know that whole old kickboxers rebuild bone like the, the back of my hand has lumps where my bones were were cracked but they form calcium and actually are stronger now so but yeah it's uh it's pretty dangerous literally everyone that's ever you know that's done this for a long time has had some serious injuries some of the worst are whenever you get hit low blows um broken hands everybody's had one of those a guy got a lance through his eye it went under his eyeball I was there for that one. There's yeah, a good picture. He got really lucky. It went like under his eye. So his he's literally like his eyes open with a giant piece of wood sticking out like a giant splinter under yeah. his eyeball. He was very lucky he didn't lose an eye. He doesn't jest anymore. Yeah, he quit. So most people quit whenever this stuff happens to you. To you. Uh, only the really stupid ones or <laughs> brave ones like ourselves continue to do it. But yeah, passionate. passionate, whatever. Yeah, a lot of people quit, you know. Uh, you get a certain amount of concussions. It's not, it's not good for you. So I try to keep that to a minimum. And, um, you know, because you you just see all the stuff now with the football players in the NFL. So I have a few friends friends that have, have um, you know, have kind of quit because the, the amount of concussions that you're at risk for getting, you know, can cause serious health issues later down the road. So, I want to say one thing to you. You must have balls of steel now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I guess so. That's what I say. I'm like, oh, I must have balls of steel. They broke a lance. Like. <laughs> but, so, what What would – so, how does, how does the tournament structure? Did you get paid for it? Is it like a full-time job, or how does it work? Um, depends. It definitely doesn't pay many bills. Um, there's very few people that can – manage enough of that and it's usually the people that own the troops because that's all they're doing all year round um 
it depends on the structure. There's some events that you go to and it's prize money. And there's some events that they, they pay you and say, just show up and do your best and I'll, I'll pay you. And that tends to be more common than the actual tournament prize money ones. There was a big one that was happening every year in Estes Park, Colorado, but that is no longer featuring dousting. Um, I'm sure the insurance is a big part of it. Um, but, you know, depending on the style of jousting, everyone wants to be a big fish in a little pond and it's uh, a lot of egos and trying to get everyone to work together for the greater good can be challenging. Yeah, the, um, for the most part, like the, uh, the, turn the tournaments that you see are sort of run by the owners. Um, there's one or two major owners and there's a bunch of smaller troops that do there's not. There's only really one troop that does full contact anymore. Um, that's Knights of Valor. That's who we do it with. Whenever you know we're, and and like you said, it's a it's a part time gig. It's sort of like a hobby. Um, for the most part, the jousters themselves get paid a flat rate, and they cover your travel, they cover your your flight or whatever. And then you come in. A lot of the tournaments are so it would be like um, say a four man tournament. It would be your brackets would be you'd, you'd have these two people joust and then the winners joust for first place and second place, the losers joust for third place. And then that'll all take place all in a row. So it'll be, what is that? Uh, one, two, three, four, four or five matches, something like that to determine. The short yeah. version is that we do it for fun and because yeah. we love it, not for the money. Yeah, you don't usually really do you it. can't even cover your, your costs to get in there. Yeah, usually by the time you're done, you might make a hundred bucks. You do you do it for the experience, you do it for the, the camaraderie, for the you know, the brotherhood or the the sisterhood, the one sister doing it. Um, you know, it's mostly because you, you sort of it's the closest um the representation or replication of an actual battle that you can participate in and you sort of go through this crucible of fire and pain and come out the other side and everybody's happy and you know you're like oh great match let's get a beer or whatever you know so it's a bit like what's, what's it called your enemies one second but once it's finished let's go down a pub have some yeah. banter yeah it's sort of the same kind of thing you'll find in you know, any of the combat sports like boxing or MMA or anything like that. It's basically it's combat sport. So you have that camaraderie and respect for your fellow jousters, even if you don't necessarily like some of them and you want to kick their butt in the in the in the, the list. Um, when you get outside of it, you you get done. You you're like, all right, let's set aside our differences and have a drink. You know. Well, there's always a level of respect because you know what it takes to get in there. What, what what do you what do you feel is something that what what irritates you? What do you feel when people misunderstand what you guys do? Like, what, what's what what are some silly questions you get, or what's the most weirdest thing you've heard someone say? Probably the the number one like that we hear all the time is they're like, oh, how long is the joust? And they mean the lance. So like, literally, all, almost everyone universally thinks that a joust is a stick you're using. And I'm like, no, it's a lance. But for the most part, I mean, people just, they don't, they're like, what are you talking about? So that's why you have to show them a video. Because you try to explain, you say, it's a nice tail, but 
we sort of the way I explain it, I say it's well, how does that feel? Is the number one question you probably get answered after that. And then I say it's like being in a car crash, except for I'm wearing the car. I always get the question, is it real? Do you know who's gonna win? Yeah. Uh, sometimes if you're doing theatrical, but that's not what we do. So every time we go out there, it's you know, it's on all the marbles. It's on for real. So it's not scripted. We don't know what's gonna happen and we're always trying to win, even if it's against each other. That's right, especially if it's against each other. Uh, is this a trust talk you guys do before you launch with each other? <laughs> oh, so we, we're actually both pretty good at the trash talk. And, you know, sometimes oh, yeah. you're out there at the beginning. So we do a little bit of a, a warm up generally. Part. And you talk, to the, you talk to the crowd and uh, give flowers out and do some games to warm up the horses and, and make sure that you're aware of what your footing looks like. And, um, and the length of the list because it can change depending on the venue you're in and that's when the trash talk is the best yeah because then you get to go around and you know basically you know i say stuff like oh my lord lords and ladies you've brought a woman to do a man's job you know and i say like rude borderline sexist things and then she's like well how do you how do you like it? how are you gonna like it whenever a girl beats you well, and then you can get the crowds yelling and chanting things. And, yeah. you know, I try to, it usually works. I try to get people from my opponent's side to come over to my side to cheer. And then and, and they do. Yeah, because like whenever I do it, I usually just, I try to play like the bad guy. I'm always like insulting people. And then, <laughs> what did you say? You said something about, forget, you said, I don't know. I I gave a girl a rose, and then she was like, "That's the only way you can get a woman," or is is by buying her off or something like that. I don't know. But like, we just trash talk each other, and it's all in good spirits, you know. Generally, I try to be like, "I'm the big tough guy. How do you? How how will you ever beat me? You're so small, you know." And then and then uh, she's basically like, "I'm not afraid of you. I like to hit people. <laughs> I like to hit big dumb people with sticks." And you're big and dumb, so let's let's get it on. Is is there any is there any so it's so it's a bit like WWE or like Conor McGregor? Yes. You're like, yeah, there's a story. said turkey. You do said turkey. <laughs> well, like, I mean, it doesn't have to be, but you might as well have fun with it, right? If you're gonna be out there, you why not have I fun? To, talk to the crowd. I try to steal people's flowers and. Like they gave candy to give to people and I would go over to her crowd and act like I was going to give it to them. And they'd be like, ha ha ha, you're, you're, I am not your champion. Your champion is this little girl. You don't get any candy because she can't win you any, you know, I'm just a jerk, so. <laughs> do, do you get any eggs thrown at you or any sort of like with the crowds, do you get anyone throwing things at you or any sort of signs saying, we love you, we love you or. Um, nobody really throwing things. There's, you get the, the people, you know, taunting and things like that. Um, I've, I've, I've been at a few places. If you go back to the same place, you know, year after year, they start to know you. And, um, I've seen, I've seen signs with, you know, we love, we love Dame Jacqueline. I've seen that before. It's always fun. Yeah. Like, um, for the most part, not really at the fair. We mostly throw stuff into the crowd. Like we, if we win candy, we throw it at them. Uh, if we break lances, we tell them, it says, like, don't try to catch any flying objects. Watch your head. You may, you know, if you're in the front row, 
uh, if you get hit with something, it's not our fault because a lot of times pieces of them fly into the wood, into the crowd, which is good for the crowd because usually we charge money for little souvenirs, so they get them for free. But uh, for the most part, um, you know, most people don't throw stuff at you. When I worked at Medieval Times, I was always a bad guy too. So that's kind of why I still play like the heel. It's more fun that way, I think. And uh, sometimes people would throw chicken bones at you and then they would, they would get a talking to. Like, usually if, if the crowds throw stuff at you, you have someone go talk to them. Like, hey, uh, this is an interactive show, but not that interactive. You can't throw your chicken bones. Well, no matter what, the safety of the horses is number one, and you don't want anything, anything that can go wrong with the horses. Um, in each of the different styles of jousting, there's different rules. In the kind that we do, because full contact is the hardest hitting, it is the hardest impact that you're going to find in any of the styles, we take extra precautions in ensuring the horses are safe. Um, so in all of our tournaments, the main rule is that you cannot hold on to the reins while you are hitting. So you grab your lance, you bring your horse around the corner, and as your horse starts to run, you have to drop your reins. And what that does is prevent any impact from affecting the horse's mouth, which obviously is a super sensitive area. A lot of people think that the reins are for controlling the horse. The reins are for connecting with the horse. So we definitely don't want the impact on us connecting through to that horse's mouth. Um, in our style, we also don't allow you to grab onto the horse or the saddle in any way to stop yourself from coming off. If you grab the saddle, you grab the horse, it counts as, as if you were knocked off. Your opponent gets all the points. Um, because again, we just don't want to put the horses in any situation where they're uncomfortable or where they would feel the impact. And because we're so good to them, you actually see how much they love it. We have one that we uh, practice with here. And when, when it's joust practice, he is squealing, he's pawing, he's so excited, ready to go. Uh, because it's a happy experience for him. He just gets to run fast and, and hit things. Nothing ever hurts him or anything like that. He's a war horse. What's, <laughs> what's, what's, the, what's the community of jousting like? How does it, is, is it like a worldwide thing that's got, how, how big is the community as a whole? And um, got, is it quite knit? incredibly petty no i'm just kidding it they depends on the petty. style I, I mean there does seem to be uh smaller groups within each type of jousting so the sca jousters sort of all are are a tight-knit group and you know they don't really want to work with the full contact jousters who also kind of only work with each other and then there's the theatrical guys and um, in the past couple of years i've started to see a bit more crossover uh there's still not a lot everyone you know, learns in their style and sticks with their style. Um, so there's definitely a lot of room for uh, better communication and, you know, everyone working together. Each style also likes to think that, you know, they have their own world champion competition, but really there's no overarching organization to keep us all together. Um, there's no worldwide federation, even though some people, all, like, there's there's so many splinter groups, but everyone claims that they're, like, the world champion or whatever. It's sort of like, like, in the NFL, they're like, oh, world champion, like, there's no one else involved, so how are you the world champion? 
<laughs> so it would be it would be awesome to see something like that in the future with more groups working together across the different styles and and things like that um it also seems to be regional right you know i can't really fly with my suit of armor over to see you guys um full contact is is not okay, really prevalent yeah and well and it's it's not big in the uk right now it's very much the canadian americanized style so it's probably not even worth it for us to come over there. Whereas you'd see a lot more people in the theatrical or in um, uh, some of the other styles. Yeah, the, um, it's sort of, so it sort of goes like they have the SEA reenactor type style. Then you have uh, the historical society type styles that are big in Europe. Uh, you'll find them in Germany, Switzerland, um, Spain, uh, there's a lot of it in Australia and stuff too, where they you to be a participant in these tournaments, you have to have exact period replica suits. So your suit's going to cost fifteen twenty thousand um, dollars. It is going to be exact replica of a suit that's in a museum. So you have to have a lot of money. The the American and Canadian suits are sort of like I remember reading an article in the New Yorker about it. It's sort of I first learned about it. And they were basically saying how the Americans and Canadians are not really welcome in Europe because their style, the style, full contact style, calls for people being knocked off. And their suits are not are made to keep you safe. They're not made to be ornamental and pretty. So they basically look like an old car park. You know, some of some of them have been made out of car parts. And then you have like sort of like a functional tank suit versus you know, a fancy museum piece. So the barrier to entering the sport is a lot higher in Europe and they don't, they don't want to mess up their nice fancy suits either. So they use fluted or hollow lances. They use cornels, which are like these ornamental tops on them. So there's a lot of different things inside of the sport of jousting. There are all these little splinter groups and they sort of all think that they know the best way to do it. The Americans and Canadians are like, we're the toughest because we do full contact. We actually knock each other out. The Europeans are like, you guys are stupid. That doesn't make any sense. And the SCA guys go, well, we could do all of that, but we actually like to do more athletic versions. So everyone has their own little attitude about why their style is best. Well, and each style is, is good its own way. They yeah, all they have all different have, purposes. They all have different techniques and uh, ways that they, that they use it. Uh, it would be cool to see something that sort of combines all of them, but it would require somebody with a bunch of money to hold it somewhere. I don't even know where you would hold it because the, the people who actually do these do jousting in general are sort of spread out all over the place. <laughs> you, you, from what I heard here, you, 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 basically, you described jousting as a bit like Christianity in that they have a lot of different sects. And a bit like UFC, they got like different. Like you basically said, it's like Christianity, but if you want to sort it out, make it like UFC, where if you think your style is better, prove it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So that's the whole thing. If you could do it like UFC, but that's why they don't want uh, full contact guys because they're actually trying to knock people off a horse. And these other guys are like, man, my suit costs thirty thousand dollars. I'm not trying to fall on the ground with it, you know. So. The uh, they they're more about like points and targeting and all that kind of stuff. So I mean, 
nobody's necessarily better than the other. I would say that the European style is probably closer to the historical style because in in actual antiquity they didn't want to hurt each other. They were all nobles and kings and they were rich people. They had a lot to lose. So if you got knocked off and broke your leg, you might die of sepsis. So they um they, it wasn't about knocking people off. Sort of the uh the North American version is literally the UFC of of jousting it's like full contact let's knock each other out spit out your teeth you know kind of bare knuckle version of jousting what oh. uh, a lot of tournaments will put restrictions on if you uh hit low or hit people in the head it can also be negative points it can be warnings or uh, disqualifications the general rules for everyone is hit on target and take the hit you can't this is the one reason everyone all jesters of every sport like to think of themselves as one of the most extreme sports is there is no defense you have to make the hit you cannot dodge you, cannot, you know oh out of the way you have to present a good solid target Okay. Oh, we might have. There you go. It's yeah. So this is this what? is from my suit. This is the gridded vanguard. It goes on my left side, and so as they hit, they have to hit somewhere within one of these squares. So yeah, this thing basically goes just like this. You have to hit somewhere on this. So this is the equivalent of a shield. So if it doesn't hit this, it doesn't count. If it hits here and then goes somewhere else, that is, that's fine. As long as it first player point of contact is here. So that's one point. If the lance breaks, it's five. If you knock them off, it's ten. And then if you go to the European styles, a lot of them have – they don't have a grid like this because the grid actually uh, helps the lance to stick, which knocks people off. So theirs are, are, are – will be uh, – actually slick and they'll be a lot larger. They have larger targets. Uh, they're not made for that for you to come off. So their lances are hollow. Uh, the light armor version, you actually carry a shield. Um, so there's like all these different, you know, all the basic rules are for our sport are one point to hit you. Okay, so you already said that while I was gone. So, this is her helmet that keeps messing her head up. You can see how small your eyes are there. You can't, it's not exactly the best thing to see out of, but you can see it's, it's, this is called a ship's prow. As you can see from the side, it looks kind of like a boat. Uh, this is actually made, this is the only way you can breathe through these little holes here. And if you notice, the holes are not on this side, because that's the side your lance hits. You don't want anything to go into the holes and any splinters to go into your face. So this wonderful mechanical marble, um, these suits are probably based on 16th, 17th century suits. Um, the style we use is based on 16th century uh, German uh, rules. Um, so everybody, everybody's uh, base route is a little bit different. Um, like this helmet, that she has is pretty period accurate, but the suit itself is probably not so much. Uh, it's 
basically these suits are more heavy duty. Um, but like they, like she was saying, there's there's so many rules inside of the rules. Like re religious sex is a good way to put it because everyone has a different interpretation of the same book, and they're all like, "Well, I think the best way to do it is this." So everyone has uh, you know very much of an attitude about it. The barrier to entry in the United States or North America is a lot lower than in Europe. Because in Europe, they won't let you show up with your teammate suit. And they will, you got to have a, a $10,000 horse and a $20,000 shoe. So. I wouldn't necessarily agree with that. I don't think the, the barrier is lower. It's just completely different. The barrier for full contact is being able to have the high pain tolerance, the no, uh, termination and things like that to actually get in there. I'm just talking about monetarily. It costs more money to get in the sport in Europe. Whoa, it's quite, yeah, it's, hmm, it is, what, what do you feel is a, so in films like, as you said, The Knight's Tale and Game of Thrones and some of these other films when they depict jousting, do you, what do you feel they misrepresent in terms of jousting now? It, or in those films? I think uh, one thing that, every joster will tell you is extremely important that that is often missed in these shows is the connection that you have with your horse you know your horse becomes your partner your horse is going to battle with you having you know being an experienced horse person myself and riding a variety of different horses in the list i can tell you before i even get in there if i you know how i'm going to work with that horse um, I had, there's one horse that is so smart. He loves his job. He was rescued, uh, from a slaughterhouse in Kentucky at two years old. And now he's in his early twenties and we swear we could strap a lance to him and he could joust without a rider. If he likes you and you ride him in, you know, a real classical dressage style, he will save you if he feels you coming off. I have been, you know, lying on my back and I can feel him duck under and pick me up. Whereas I've also seen him with some people that are perhaps not as skilled riders. He waits until they're a little unbalanced, drops his shoulder and helps them reach the ground faster. Um, so having that connection with the horse can make or break you in some scenarios. Um, I also find that when I have a horse that I work with consistently, I know how he's going to take off at the beginning of the list. I know if I have to worry about keeping him straight and steady, or if I can uh, trust him to go in a straight line without any additional direction. I know if I need to ask him to push from his back end into my hip, or if he is you know, brave or timid, knowing all of those things, and having to accommodate for all of those things as you run down within the span of 10 seconds while worrying about your lance control and aiming to hit your target and getting hit yourself and balancing and don't forget, drop the reins and oh, sit up and oh yeah, there's 2,000 people watching. It's a lot in 10 seconds. So knowing how I work with that horse and what he's gonna do for me and how I can make it easiest on him 
can make a huge impact in how our runs go. I think uh, that's a very long-winded way to say uh, it's a lot more complicated than it looks, which I agree with everything she said. It, like That's the main thing that I would say about especially like nice tail and stuff like that. They make it like so easy, like, oh, he, he was a poor kid and he figured out how to get a suit of armor and a horse and now he won the tournament. Like that would never happen. Like it takes a lot to learn. I mean, it's a great story and all, but completely unrealistic. It is very complicated. Like she was saying, you sort of, you break everything down into little micro movements. You have probably a hundred different things you need to perform in rapid succession in 10 seconds in order to be successful in a match. And that's when everything goes correct. And that's, yeah. Then you have to factor in your opponent. Is your opponent, did he come around the corner correctly? Is is he starting his run at the same time as yours? You need to accommodate. Is his horse running straight? Does he look like he's on target? Did he uh, pull up his lips because he, he needs, he's asking for a mercy pass? Like, you know, there's a hundred things that you have to do and then add in accommodating for your opponent going the other way. So I think, yeah, one of these things these shows get wrong is they make it look easy, if not easy. Hmm. What? Hmm. I, you, you guys have made me interested now. I think if I go to America, I'm going to go watch one of these. Definitely. Right. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's definitely unique. Uh, once you see it, you'll be like, a lot of times people, we were at state fairs or something where people have never, you know, they've never seen it before. And they basically are like, uh, just dumbfounded and they are shocked. And they're like, wow, that was the craziest thing I've ever seen. That's like watching, you know, a train wreck over and over again. And what, um, so I've got two more questions that I'd like to ask you guys. What um, what advice would you give for someone looking to get into jousting, and what life advice would you give to your younger selves? Um, well, this is this is interesting. So I actually do a conference session uh, that speaks to my draws on my experiences as the only female in my sport for a very long time, and then translates it into how we can build confidence for for young and teen girls and how as recreation professionals we can set up safe spaces and things like that um it's been a an interesting journey figuring out you know being that i'm five foot four versus six foot four with all the other guys and being that there was no one my size to teach me how to do this sport i learned from from the big guys but how they do the sport is not how I need to do it. My shoulders are, you know, half the width of, of these guys out there. So different techniques of, of simply, you know, popping your lance up is, is making a big impact. And now that I'm, I'm training a young girl who's around my size, it's starting to realize all of those lessons. Um, the one thing, if you're interested in getting into the sport is first get some good, solid classical dressage riding lessons. The connection with your horse is extremely important and being able to be a confident rider is going to make a huge difference. That's part of the reason I was able to last as long as I did in the beginning was because I was a strong rider and didn't have to really think about riding the horse while learning all of these other things. 
uh, riding in armor for the first time is, is tricky, but it was a lot less tricky for me than some of my teammates who were also learning to ride at the same time. In terms of advice to give my younger self, I, I mean, I went through some hard times trying to get into this, especially being, you know, the only female in full contact for a very long time. Um, it's, it sounds cliche, but the idea of, of don't give up is extremely important. Um, I, I thought back, you know, to my nine-year-old self when I first sort of understood the idea of empowerment and, you know, being who you want to be and, you know, now realizing the importance of representation. You can't be what you can't see. And so for a lot of young girls out there, I'm the only female full contact gesture they're ever going to see. I've had little girls come up to me and say, I didn't know that was a possibility. I didn't know I could do that. So, I mean, to give advice to my younger self, I'd say just, just trust yourself. Just keep doing it. I think nine-year-old me would be really happy and proud of the person I became. And that makes 31-year-old me very, very happy. You know, staying staying true to yourself, staying passionate, and just never giving up. And they both like Spice Girls. <laughs> Nine-year-old and 13-year-old are big Spice Girls fans. So. They taught me girl power. Girl power. <laughs> I'll tell you what you want. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, I guess for me, uh, the, the like what you said about how to get into the sport you know learn how to ride um become a confident rider uh if not the kind of the shortcut way to learn how to do a lot of this stuff um is go get a job at medieval times um i literally know a lot of my friends who got their background in stunts and acting from medieval times like so if people are younger or whatever you can get a job there as a squire and learn about you get paid to learn about horses and learn how to ride um, if, if you don't have a new times near you, then you'll probably need to pay somebody to teach you how to ride. Um, but it's kind of a good, it's a fair trade. I learned a lot um, about riding from them. And then I sort of had to relearn how to joust from, you know, full contact people. It's a completely different kind of style. But you're, you're, you get a good base. Um, but definitely, uh, you know, getting in shape is a big part of it. Um, and just be, you know, getting more practice, more time in the saddle and learning about the connection with the horse and how to treat the horse and how to sort of recruit the animal to be your partner. Because the animal is your partner in, in games, your partner in jousting, whatever you're doing with a horse, the horse is your partner. It's not your employee. He doesn't work for you. You work together. If you think he's going to work for you, uh, you're probably not going to have a great time along the horse. Like you... Need, it's a give and take. That's why the holes, you know, carrot or carrot or the stick. That's about horses. So you need to learn to get and learn to take. Um, and then my advice to my younger self would be pretty simple: uh, do not pay the IRS whenever. Because I actually won the TV show and I gave I gave like a check to the IRS for like thirty six grand, which I realize now like it's not illegal to not pay them. It's illegal to not tell them that you made money. So I'm like kicking myself over that one. I'm like, I think if I had to wait a little longer, they would have settled for less. But that's one thing. That's kind of just a joke. But um, but uh, more more seriously, I would just tell myself stay in shape. Um, 
now I've got I've kind of like I've got on six four I weigh like three hundred on my like super out of shape, but I'm definitely feeling it. Uh, it's harder to fit in a suit of armor now, so I'm definitely on a mission to get back in shape. I would tell my younger self, um, you know, stay in shape, uh, stay stay doing athletic sports. Um, I've always been a big fan of combat sports, did boxing and stuff like that when I was younger. So I just tell myself to keep, you know, keep up with that. So now I've kind of gotten to the phase of my life where I'm going to rekindle all my old passions and start doing that all over again. Yeah, that's good advice. It, it's funny, isn't it? Sometimes that we, we, like, it's easy to get into things, but it's hard to get break, break out of habits. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, that's, that's the whole thing. If you, whatever your habits are, if they're poor or if they're good, they're going to be hard to change. So my habit uh, hasn't been going to the gym and boxing and doing all the stuff I used to do when I was younger. So now I'm going to have to retrain myself, which it's a lot easier to keep doing the good habits than it is to retrain yourself to do them. So. Hmm. Yeah. But, and, and what, what do you see, what do you see happening to the world of jousting after COVID? Well, it's been tough. Um, I mean, I haven't gone to any this year. There were a whole bunch I was going to go to and it's, it's an unfortunate necessity, right? You know, if it means one or two years off for us as, as athletes, but hey, you know, we save a bunch of lives, then absolutely. Um, it is challenging for a lot of the troops who do rely on this as their main source of income. Um, a lot of people have been creative. I've seen um, a lot of the fairs have turned towards virtual fairs. The uh, Briar festival with you know the little plastic horses that company they had their briar fest this year and they turned a bunch of their tickets into ticket admission to their virtual uh fair so creativity is what's going to save the sport uh during covid and i think once you know things get back to some sort of semblance of normal we're all going to be itching to go <laughs> yeah i um I think, yeah, I think uh, COVID definitely put a big hold on everything. I think it'll definitely, um, hopefully, you know, we can move past this as a, as a world community. And then um, we can get back all these outdoor activities like fairs and jousting and all that. I think it'll, everyone will have a lot more appreciation for these activities whenever they're allowed to resume. This year was definitely rough on, on pretty much on the whole world and uh, especially on on artists and performers. So it'll be great to see that come back. Let's see what happens, eh? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, thank you guys for coming to my podcast. I appreciate you guys coming. Um, yeah, what's it called? Just hit me up with any, like, things you want to plug, and I'll put it in the description of the podcast once I've uploaded it. And, yeah, just stay safe and well, guys. <laughs> Awesome. Thank you. Thanks Thank so much, Grant. Great talking with you.